Many millennia ago, at the peak of Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights, a group of divine beings known as the Watchers, or Sons of God, descended in an act of rebellion against their king, Yahweh. By teaching them the secret knowledge of the cosmos, they sought to wrestle dominion of the earth away from humanity. They bore children with them, and their offspring were both human and divine. These giants are the demigods of old, and the events that transpired would forever alter the course of human history. At Camp Hermon, we discuss the oddities of the ancient world and their lingering impact on our world today. Welcome. All of a sudden, at the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, I'm awakened. I see standing around my bed six entities that are commonly referred to as greys. Very spindly bodies and, and then no uniforms or anything, leathery skin, almost like uh, a rhino hide or, or something of that nature. Large, bulbous, egg-shaped head with uh, big, black, almond-shaped eyes. So, um, yes, there was these uh, six grey entities. They had a bluish hue that came off their skin, which was, I thought was really bizarre. I've spoken to some other abductees and no one's ever uh, encountered this bluish hue. No one's ever uh, encountered this bluish hue. Welcome back to Camp Ramon. Last week we had part one with Tim, who is a satanic ritual abuse survivor. I'd sat down and had about a two hour conversation with Tim, and this is the second half of that conversation. I was very, very disturbed child that by the age I was of nine, my school said there is something seriously wrong with Tim to my parents and you need to take him to see a child psychiatrist, of which my parents did. It's funny, to this day, I remember going into the waiting room at that psychiatrist. I remember playing with Lego in the waiting room. I remember going up to the door of her office. But once we went through that door, it's like I'm staring at a, bl a black canvas. There's no memory of anything that took place. Except one, I was sitting at a table and I was drawing. She asked me to draw something. Why she wanted me to draw, I don't know. But this is what I drew. Can you see that clearly? Yes, it's it looks like a like a child drawing of a house with an eye, just one eye, really large in the middle. Yeah. It's actually it's not very clear pencil. It's actually a child's drawing of a ship. Oh, okay. And on the side of what would be the um, oh, the wheelhouse, for lack um. of a better term, if that's what they call it, on the side of that there was. Uh, a giant eye painted and she said what's the significance of the eye 
And I said, it's always watching me. Now, I do not know what that specifically meant, but that eye scared me and I knew it was something supernatural. No, no other memory. So I was constantly ditching school because of the issues that were going on. And my I just hated school in general and did not like being taught by priests and, and whatnot. I, yeah, dodged school one day and went into the city and there was an attempted abduction by a pedophile in the city. He was very, how do I put it? He was very seductive. He knew what words to say. Um, he knew what to do. And he lured me along and got his grips into me. And I believe if it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here today. I would have been another missing child statistic of the 1980s. But we have a river that runs down the centre of our city. It's called the Torrens River. And on that are um, uh, a boat called the Popeye. And it's basically just a, a small cruise boat that it's got so much seating for the public, you pay to go on it, and it just does a trip along the torrents. We went on there, and the boat was packed. And I knew I needed to get away from this person, but I was too scared. I thought I can just jump into the river and swim away. But I was wearing my very first watch that my dad gave me. And I didn't want to stuff up my watch. Um, so I said to this person, look, I need to go to the toilet. And because mind you, I'm sitting on the water's side, he's sitting on the aisle seat. And he said, oh, no, leave your bag. And I went, no, no, I need to take my bag with me. And I pushed past him. It is only because we were such in a confined crowd public crowded area that he could not stop me from leaving because it would have drawn way too much attention to himself and especially if I started trying to get away and screaming he is not my dad that would have got people very alarmed I got off the Popeye and I just ran for my life now the logical thing would have been the first thing you do is run and track down a cop wasn't for me i was petrified i'd get in trouble for um for wagging school so i just went home the unfortunate thing is two weeks after this event a extended family member heard about what happened and while babysitting me one night, made moves on me and then continued to sexually abuse me for four years. Um, and you you saw the, the video I made of the, um, 
that poem I write about that abuse that I sent you and Tori. Um, so there's been all this damage that's been going on. Then by the age of 16, I was involved in the occult myself. I discovered I was an extremely proficient tarot reader. I was a medium in sciences and I had psychic abilities. And I thought being, let me try and explain it this way. When I got involved in the occult, I literally experienced physical power. It was really uh, euphoric. And I felt absolutely invincible. No one's ever going to be able to hurt me again and blah, blah, blah. But one night I, I had just started getting into, oh, I should say by this stage, I'd started blending things like uh, New Age and Hare Krishnas uh, in with other types of occultism. And I had um, was worshipping the Egyptian god of wisdom, Thoth. And this is a funny thing too, which I think I brought up in that conversation the other day, a funny thing that I've never been able to work out. Ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I had this unhealthy fascination for ancient Egypt, the gods of ancient Egypt, wanting to learn about them, wanting to see sarcophagi, uh, wanting to know about the different gods, just almost like an obsession. It, it, to me, that's just an interest maybe, but not to the level I was at. That's just something that's really bizarre in, for someone that is so young. So it just seemed automatic that I ended up worshipping the god Thoth. So then one night I was in a seance on my own communicating with my spirit guide his really bizarre name, his supposed name was Bordy, B-O-R-D-Y. He said, uh, I should say, by this time, I was extremely trusting person and extremely naive and extremely ignorant of the ways of the world. So I was very gullible. I believed anything anyone said to me. This spirit guide knew how to prey on my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, and uh, said he was my guardian angel, even to the point would actually stop uh, seances and say, look, the devil and his angels are coming to attack you. I've got to leave and go, go fight and defend you. And I believe this hook, line, and sinker then I posed uh, an unintentional invitation to this spirit in uh, the seance. And the question I posed to him was an unintentional invitation for him to possess me. And that's exactly what happened. I was laying on my bed. I had a candle burning. All of a sudden, the candle flame 
jumped from this tiny little candle flame to about a foot high. And I felt a, a stirring sensation like being hit with static electricity in the soles of my feet. And then it felt like I got hit with 20,000 volts and it ran all the way up my body. And I immediately knew this spirit was now inside me. He was communicating to me directly via telepathy. He was influencing my behavior and actually said that I was going to die, that I was intended to be used as a human sacrifice in a satanic ritual. He's this naive, gullible 16-year-old kid, petrified because he's thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I remember being in my room one night, which is, was at the very back of the house. And um, I turned around and I prayed in my head. And I said, God, I always believe you're the ultimate power and control. And I've been playing around with the occult. Now, while I was in charge of the occult, it was fine. But now it's got control of me and I'm about to die. And I said, please help me because I don't want to die. Instantly, from behind my right shoulder, I heard the audible voice of God. It was the most, most amazing beautiful, sweet, tranquil voice I have ever heard in my life. And it simply said, or I should say he simply said, Tim, I haven't deserted you. Now, I turned around and said, what? Thinking someone had walked into my bedroom and turned around to see who it was. It took me about 10 minutes to actually come to the full realisation of what had actually taken place. And then within two hours of that voice speaking to me, as I felt that spirit enter my body, I also felt it leave. Um, there was no... Whatever took place, God did it directly by himself. There was no human intervention or deliverance or anything. said, this thing entered, this thing left. Then started my journey in Christianity, which, mind you, you would think after an experience like that, I'd be throwing myself and begging for salvation. I didn't. I turned around and said, oh, gee, thanks for that. Now I'm going to go do what I want to do. <laughs> So many people do the same, don't they? Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until 18 months later, just before my 18th birthday, I was on uh, a Catholic youth retreat camp and I was in the confessional and it was bizarre because I'm in this little confessional talking to this priest and all of a sudden I had a vision. I was like, I saw this giant cinema screen and there were all these still shots on this cinema screen of my life and they were all particular sins that had occurred in my life. And I'm looking at this screen just going, whoa. And then there's this small, still voice said, 
Tim, you need to be saved. That convinced me. I fell on my knees weeping (laughs) and gave my heart to Jesus. Wow. So that's what uh, led me to that point. Can I can I ask yes. you about when you you said you were you were a very good tarot card reader and you were like yep. doing these seances? Was this just something that you were doing on your own, or were there other people no, involved? No, there were other people involved. Um, I was doing readings on people. One guy uh, that shared a house with my oldest brother thought it was all hocus pocus and mocked me and ridiculed me and then I said oh go on if it's real go ahead and do it on me I went all right so I did a tarot reading on him and turned around and looked at him and said you've got a young daughter that nobody else knows about he looked at me white as a ghost swore his oh uh, what to cursed his head off to me and stormed out of the house and wouldn't talk to me again. And it's like, yes. So uh, tarot is very, very real. But please, please do not touch it. It is an evil beyond comprehension and it will seduce you down a road that you will find very hard to come back from. You know, one thing it kind of struck me when you were telling your story about, and you mentioned that when you were in control of the occult, things were yes. fine. And then you lost control when, when the spirit possessed you. And that's another thing that seems to be fairly common with people that get into the occult. And I'm, I tend to think that it's all a manipulation that, that the part where you had control was just, yes these demons and these spirits basically tricking you and getting you to the point to where you would willfully give yourself over to them. to Yes. You. Yes. Look, I 100% agree. It's nothing but a mass illusion. It really is. You are, you think you're in control, but you are not. These, what people need to understand, these demonic entities have been traversing this earth and dealing with humanity for thousands and thousands of years. And they know how to pull every chain, push every button and manipulate to the nth degree. So you might think you're in control, but let me tell you, you are not. They are in control. And if you go playing in their world, you are in very serious jeopardy to give you uh, just a, a little idea there are celebrities that have come out and exposed the luciferian pedophiles in hollywood one i'm thinking specifically of that named names and that was isaac cappy two weeks after he exposed some of the biggest names in hollywood and said they are active pedophiles isaac cappy was dead Apparently, Brittany Murphy was going to expose uh, pedophiles in Hollywood. What happens? She dies of an overdose in a shower. And then you look at the really bizarre death 
uh, just recently of Anne Hesh, who has just finished making a movie exposing child sex trafficking in the United States. What I say is if you do not know Jesus Christ and you try and expose these people, out of my research, you will end up dead. This is no game. So, yes, they, they set all this up and they give you the illusion that you've got control, but you don't. And then from that point in my life started me on the journey in Christianity. And I went from to different from the Catholic Church to Pentecostal churches, I'll put it. And um I'm like, I'm I'm not sure, but from what I've gleaned, that the Pentecostal church in the US is a lot more open to this sort of stuff than the Pentecostal church is here. It's very closed-minded. Uh, to the whole supernatural view of scripture. It's like it's perfectly fine. They believe, you know, Jesus was born uh, of a virgin and that he died and rose from the dead. And that supernatural is perfectly fine. But the supernatural involving the enemy? No, no. So, oh. That's one of the great deceptions that has infiltrated the church, I think. Yes is just yes, stripping away of the supernatural from from scripture and and cessationism yeah stripping away of you know essentially saying the gifts of the holy spirit are no longer active that those were just yes. for a brief time yeah and i mean just that that whole cessation theory it's like i'm sorry but did God change his stripes? It's like Scripture says he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So if he's the same, then his character is the same, his attributes are the same, his spirit's the same. So it's like, it, it, to me, those arguments just never made any logic. Um, but in my journey in Christianity, because I had all these issues, and I, and honestly, I, I should say, I had no comprehension of what dissociative identity disorder even was, let alone the fact that I had dissociative identity disorder. Um, and then by the, I could never fit the mould of being a Christian because I had well, I should say what we've identified with my psychologist is I have nine alters or nine split personalities, my, and there may be more. My, my soul is very, very fragmented. Mm-hmm. My core person is in love with Jesus and two of the other alters are... Um, have bowed the knee to Jesus. I've got three that I call my littles. They are three children. Mm. They're the ones that they're the ones that are holding the memories. They're the ones that were tortured and suffered 
that whatever horrendous abuse was done. Someone, uh, no, my psychologist was asking me about them and I described them to her as this. If you could see in a dark room, in the corner of that room, you've got three young children and they're all huddled together in the corner with their arms around each other, bearing their backs outward. And they're doing that. So when the next lot of abuse and beatings come, the one bearing his back will take that to try and protect the other two. Mm. They're the inner core of my heart. Then I've got three other altars that I don't know a lot about them. They have manifested themselves. Um, I do believe that they actually have, each of them has one or more demonic attachments. Um, and they were actually uh, forcibly created and then programmed. Mm-hmm. And my psychologist has actually queried, am I actually a failed program? Because I became a Christian and that fouled up the enemy's destiny for me, whatever it was, um, and fouled up the programming. The problem being, because I couldn't fit into the mold of being a Christian, I kept faltering into sin. And it was like, I look at it now, how could I not? I mean, here I am trying to run a marathon. I'm completely bound up in chains. I've got half a dozen bowling chains hanging off my legs. Right. And I'm trying to run. Of course, I'm going to keep falling flat on my face. And I did. I ended up in, kept falling into illicit relationships and um, and that doesn't go well in church. Sure. But I was not offered any proper counselling or anything like that and no one bothered to investigate my past. No one asked me any questions about my past. So... Here was all the involvement in the occult that had not been dealt with. Here was all the uh, sexual abuse had not been dealt with. All these doorways to the enemy were still open and no one bothered to ask me any questions. Um, They just passed judgment and, yeah, I, I remember one particular church, this is when I was living up in, on the Gold Coast in southeast Queensland, one particular church I was going to, I got really, really sick. And um, so I went to the local hospital to see a doctor, tests were done, and this doctor jumped the gun and said, in his opinion, I've got HIV. Well, I completely freaked out and um, told my friends, And that got back to that church. That church wouldn't let me through their doors again. 
I had another church that I was going to that's here in Adelaide. And this is at the time I'd had a, a breakdown, which I'll go into shortly. Sorry, another phone call. I'll go into shortly that um, I was, uh, mind you, I was engaged at the time, but my fiancé and I were sleeping with each other. And um, I was living with one of the elders of this church and he came up to me uh, one day and said, look, don't come to church on Sunday. And I said, why not? Because Pastor so-and-so is going to call you out the front of the church and he's going to publicly excommunicate you in front of the whole church. And I went, what? So um, I never went. I just rang him and said, I'm leaving. And he said, oh, could I come around and see you and we discuss it? And I said, yeah. And I said, would you like to know the reason? And he said to me, yeah, actually, I would. And I said, I believe it's because I've been diagnosed with mental illness and you can't handle it. And he said, Tim, it's not that I can't handle it. It's just I don't know what to do about it, and that frustrates the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you serious? <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I left that church. Um my general experience in the Christian church has been one of what I've been told by another minister actually classifies as spiritual abuse, which just compound, compounded all the abuse that was already there. Sure. I have been so damaged by Christians. I even said at one stage, I have been more hurt and damaged by Christians than I ever was by people in the world. Mm. Um, to the point that I actually walked away from the church and refused to have anything to do with the church again. Uh, but a friend invited me to a little community that I'm going to at the moment. And, um, yeah, they've... They've been an absolute godsend. And I've experienced true, genuine Christian love in that community like I've never experienced before in my life. And the teachings that I was given, I was never discipled. I wasn't even saved 12 months and I went into Bible college. Don't know if that was a wise step to do or not, because that just filled my head with so much knowledge, which was great, mm -hmm. but it didn't do anything to uh, to nurture the young growth of mm -hmm. a, a Christian. And my whole Christianity, again, leaning back on what I'd learnt in the occult, became a pursuit of Gnosticism, mm -hmm. trying to find the right formula to access God and mm. to be free. But in the different Pentecostal churches I was in, we were not given the full gospel. We were taught conformity. We were taught, or I was indoctrinated with that particular denomination's interpretation and their 
laws, for lack of a better term. I went to a small Lutheran church in 2008. Now, I'd been a Christian for over 20 years by this time, and I had no concept of what grace was. And it was when I went to this Lutheran community, I started being taught grace. And I just, it blew my socks off. And I thought, how can I have been in the church for over 20 years and I've never been taught grace? It, um, I will say one thing I believe of the Pentecostal churches here in Australia. They do not want mature Christians. They want Christians that rely, uh, that remain dependent upon them as the church and that they have control over. That's a sad part of some churches. And I think yeah. a part of it just has to do with, again, control, but also usually comes back to finances in some way. Yes. 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 Keep the, you ignorant. Um, yes. Some of the stories I've told uh, about my Christian experience in the Christian church involved one of the largest mega churches here in my city. Um, so I think that's really bad, but, um, but I think that's also because the seminaries have been corrupted, mm-hmm. um, as I love, absolutely love listening to Mary and Michael Lake and their teaching. And, um, Michael is always talking on how corrupted the seminaries have become. And that's why people are being taught the full gospel today. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, now, I need to backtrack a little bit. It's a part I forgot. At the age of 11, I, with another friend, we were going to um, the Henley and Grange Youth Club that we did gymnastics there of a night. I can't remember exactly what night, but to get there, we would walk the back way. So you, you'd come off the main road and then walk along the edge of a creek. And we're walking along this creek, and for some reason, we just both just felt compelled to look up. And we looked up, and there is this UFO hovering above us. It was, I can't recall enough to tell you how large it was, but it had five concentric 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 rings from the outer to the inner, all different colours. And we got quite scared. We went hidden bushes. And when we come out of the bushes, this thing had gone. Then we um, started walking, started talking about it. And all of a sudden we looked up again and there it is directly above us again and was following us as we walked. And then we stared at it and all of a sudden it's as fast as the twinkling of an eye, it just shot off in a 45 degree angle and was gone in a split second. How big do you think it was and how close to you was it? This is... Now, to us, it seemed really close. But I'm trying, the memory of an 11-year-old child of this 
to a rational adult mind, mm-hmm. there's a variation. Roughly, it I can't estimate an actual size except to say it was quite large. But it appeared really close to us, but it, it probably would have been about, uh, say, roughly about 50 to 100 feet up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's at, really close. At a guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, if if you were talking about like a helicopter and you said it was about a 50 to 100 feet, that's really close yeah. you know, to be to an aircraft. Yeah. And awesome. yeah, this thing made no noise whatsoever. No one else saw it. It was just us. Overall, I've now had uh, five encounters seeing UFOs in my lifetime. Two other of those encounters was one was done with about six other people that witnessed it. The other one was um, there was about a dozen other people with me that witnessed me that witnessed the craft. So again, there's been this supernatural activity that's been going on, which leads me to. 1997 or early 1998, my fiance and I, she had rented a, a little uh, cabin in a seaside resort called Port Broughton. Um, and we were in there and all of a sudden, at the middle of the night and all of a sudden I'm awakened. I see standing around my bed six entities that are commonly referred to as greys, very spindly bodies and and no uniforms or anything, leathery skin, almost like uh, a rhino hide or or something of that nature. Large, bulbous, egg-shaped head with uh, big black almond-shaped eyes. So, um, yes, there was these uh, six grey entities. They had a bluish hue that came off their skin, which was, I thought was really bizarre. I've spoken to some other abductees and no one's ever uh, encountered this bluish hue. It was It was almost as if, it was a a pigmentation in their skin that was giving off this colour. But I remember that um, when I awoke, I was completely paralysed and I was levitating about three feet off my bed and I was filled with absolute sheer terror. And I just kept calling out on the name of Jesus in my mind and then next thing I real uh, am aware of, I'm waking up in my bed and absolutely petrified. The terror was unreal. And got out of the bed, went into the kitchen and just huddled up in a corner, shaking. Now, I've often thought about this because I used to believe because I was calling out on the name of Jesus in my mind. That actually stopped the abduction. 
But now listening to a lot of the stuff that Tim Alberino has put forward, I'm wondering, did I go through a full abduction experience? I just don't remember the rest of it. Right. I don't, honestly don't know. But, yeah, it's it's a very scary thing to wake up, be paralysed, levitating, and see these physical entities standing around you just staring at you. That, uh, yes. And some people, I've heard some people, oh, I'll put my hand in front of the camera again. Hang on. No, you're fine. I've heard some people say that they want to be abducted. And I thought, no, you don't. <laughs> right. Um, so there were those experiences. Um, there was in 19... Uh, I did say that I've had one demonic entity appear in my bedroom, physically assault me and bite me. Um, I've had where I'm living in, the house I'm living in at the moment, I've come under attack by two separate covens in this house. I've had uh, members of those covens astral travel into my house, there was there's one entity every night would, um, I was trying to think, yeah, I'd see him walk from, I was trying to turn the kitchen into my bedroom or from the lounge, either way, I'd see him walk past me into my bedroom. Now, he was about six feet tall, hunched over, wearing an Akubra, uh, which for those that don't know what an Akubra is, that's basically the Australian cowboy hat and a dry as a bone, which is a heavy-duty, all-weather leather coat worn by drovers, which would, I guess, would be the US equivalent would be cowboys. And he wore that and he walked in to um, my bedroom every night. I also saw a, uh, a cat-like creature the size of a bobcat walk from my kitchen past me in the lounge room into the top room every night. Then where I'm sitting at the moment where I smoke is under the carport on the side of the house because it's all open at the top. And from this position, I can see the neighbour's carport roof is a lot lower than what mine is. So I can see the top of their roof. And this particular entity was interesting. It's, it was half human and half animal. It had the torso, shoulders and arms of a human that looked like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger had overdosed on steroids, <laughs> um, had the hindquarters of what looked like some sort of bizarre dog and then had the face that was partially human. Do you ever remember in the old Looney Tunes cartoons with Sylvester mm -hmm. and it's got the bulldog? Mm-hmm. And how he, the bulldog would stand, he'd be all 
puffy in his arms and puffed up face. Mm-hmm. It was like a real twisted version of that face. Hmm. And he would just stand there. I'd, I'd look at him and he'd just stand there, stare at me. They'd, none of them would do anything. They would just stare at me. It's like they were just letting me know they're here and mm-hmm. I'm theirs. Yeah. And that was all they did. Where that came to an end was God brought back a memory to me. And that was in 1987. I went to a combined youth camp in Melbourne. And at that camp, I was called out from the back of the auditorium and there was probably... I've oh, been one or two hundred kids at this meeting, and I was called out. And the uh, the pastor that was uh, running it prophesied over me, and basically said, "The closer I draw to God, the brighter the light is going in me is going to burn, and it's going to end up burning brighter than the noonday sun." That was on the Saturday night. On the Sunday night, we were back in Adelaide by then, and on the Sunday night, I had a dream, a really bizarre dream. And in this dream, the phone rang and I answered the phone and said, hello, and there was no one there. And I went, hello, is anyone there? And this voice spoke. Now, it's interesting that when I said my salvation experience, I said how beautiful and tranquil the voice of God was. This voice was the most vile, evil, arrogant, sleazy voice I've ever heard. If you could ever imagine hearing a voice that would make your skin crawl, this was it. And it simply said to me, this is Commissar Satan. Now you listen to me. We know what was prophesied over you on the weekend and you will never succeed. We will do everything to utterly kill, crush and destroy you. Well, by the time I heard this, I was freaking out and I was rebuking it down the phone and <laughs> and going right off my nut and all of a sudden the dream ended and I woke up. I never thought any more about it. I said, oh, yeah, whatever. Didn't occur to me that that was the enemy had placed a curse over my life. And when God brought this memory back to me, it was only just over two years ago, I went with a, a sort of team of people and got prayer for it and they broke this curse. That was when these entities stopped appearing in my house. And I thought that was interesting. I've I've had other occurrences too where entities have appeared before me. And as I said to you in our previous conversation, I got the rude shock when I realised this was not the normal experience of every Christian because I thought every Christian saw things like this. <laughs> right. right. Yes, a very rude awakening. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, you're breaking up a bit, Tim. Okay. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah. I don't know if it's just outside there or just generally. It could have been, it could have been me striking the lighter to oh. light my cigarette um, because where I, I lit it was right next to the microphone. Gotcha. So, yeah. And where things drew me to where I am today was two and a half years ago, I heard the testimony of Mary Lou Lake, uh, wife to Michael, Dr. Michael Lake, and what they went through. Now, Mary is uh, DID, satanic ritual abuse survivor, and also went through government mind control program. Um, and their whole town that they were in had this lovely, beautiful Christian veneer on it, but it, it was all run by the occult. And I was listening to Mary's testimony and how God brought her out, and I was horrified. I was in shock because her testimony, it was like 80% of it, it was like she was reading the script of my life. And that's what told me what I'm actually facing and dealing with. I've been able to get some help. It's like you guys are praying for me, which I cannot thank you enough. But uh, I've been able to get some help through Tom Dunn and through the Black Ministries. Uh, they're assisting me. And the, the community that I'm in, um, there was one night at Bible study and it was only a small group at this Bible study and I can only assume it was God because I just opened up and I told everything. I said about the fragmented memories, the abuse, the alien abduction and whatnot. When I've tried to share this with Christians before, they've turned around and ran for the hills. So not, not, not having anything to do with you. You're a nut job. Um, the pastor was just overwhelmed with compassion. And they got around and they prayed for me. And they have stood by me. And as I've been walking this journey of healing, where I am slowly getting better. Um, but... I guess God does things in a different way that he doesn't give you more than you can deal with. And with me, because I am so badly damaged and so badly shattered inside, he's, the healing's only coming in increments. Uh, I guess as he's only giving me that which I can handle at this moment. And I will say this, resonates back to 2006, a prophecy that he gave me. Um, I was by my bed on my knees praying and in absolute tears pleading with him to come and heal me. And he spoke to me as clear as a bell and he said, I am going to pick up all the shattered pieces of your heart put them back together and make you into a whole person. 
and I hold you in the palm of my hand and none shall pluck you out. And, you know, it's funny that a lot of the churches I've been involved in are really, really overly focused on your performance. And if you're in sin, it's like, oh, you know, the absolute horrendous mess my life has been in. Every time God has spoken to me, not once has he ever said anything to be to me about my sin. He's never said anything to me about the addictions I suffer or whatnot. He's just turned around and emphasized over and over again how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. And um, that has really helped to today that God's not interested in my performance. He's interested in my heart. Mm-hmm. And he will take care of the other. And how valuable I am to him, which is one of the biggest things. I never knew who I was as a person. I did not know my identity in God. And I'm still learning that. But I was such a shattered mess. And just like uh, one of those little children, I was talking about that's inside, constantly needing to be reassured that they are loved. That is what he is doing to me, has been doing and is still doing. And I'm slowly starting to grow up. But there's just been so much. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, because when I was talking about the etymology of the name Krakenhale, Mm-hmm. There was one thing I forgot. The name also means a stunted growth of a person. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, your story is just incredible, man. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for what the Lord has brought you through and someone listening might be thinking like, why do such bad things happen to people? And I just want to say, I have no idea why those horrible things happen to you, but I think the Lord has a purpose and a reason for things And I would say, I don't know why they happened to you, but don't waste those experiences. And what I mean by that is there are, there are so many people that have experienced many of the things that you've experienced. And by you telling your story, you just never know what freedom that's going to bring to someone. Yes, I agree. Even to the point where, Purely by accident, I'm now ministering to somebody else and aiding somebody else that with all their sharing with me, it definitely sounds like to me they are SRA as well. And their parts of their story is a lot more horrendous than mine. And, um, and I've got nothing but compassion for them. And I wouldn't have 
the level of forgiveness I have now if it was not for the almighty God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the heart I've got, the compassion I've got. And I think I said to you the other day that I was asked recently if I could go back and change things in my life, would I? And I said, no, I wouldn't. Because all the darkness, all the pain, all the suffering that I've gone through, that's led me to where I am today. And I know our loving father. I know him as my loving father. Mm -hmm. Those things I went through have led me here. I would not change that for anything. Mm. As I remember seeing testimony of a a, a gay man that was dying of AIDS in a hospital bed and he, he accepted Jesus in his hospital bed. And he said, I'd rather be here in this hospital bed dying of AIDS than be healthy and not know him. Wow. That's powerful, my friend. Yes, man. Well, Tim, I've got to run. I really yeah. appreciate your time. And no, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's been it's been wonderful. Anytime we can get together and just share our stories and and just literally testify to the goodness of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, it's it's worth the price of admission, (laughs) (laughs) whatever that may be. Um, Thank you, bro. Yes, my brother. I love you, man. I appreciate your time. And and I just look forward to just continuing to get to know you, my man. And and, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for this relationship that uh, that the Lord has has brought between the two of Uh, us. You know, I just want you to know this is. For me, this isn't a this isn't a podcast, bro. This is a this is a ministry, and yeah. and I'm looking to to link arms with with brothers and sisters just like you, man. And and you know this isn't a fleeting thing, or um, you know it it means more to me than just having a conversation that we're recording for a podcast episode. I just want you to know yes. that. Yeah, and look, I feel exactly the same, and I. I take great encouragement that um, what Michael Lake says, that God is raising up a remnant all over this earth. Yes. And we are linking arms. The, the fact that through Blurry Creatures and I came to meet you and Tori and Mason and the others, that I'm just blown away with the amount of love that has come pouring out of the US to hear this this individual here in Australia that thought he was walking the road all on his own for so many years. Yeah. And I've realized I'm not. I've got so much love and support. And I do believe God connecting us was definitely a divine action. Yeah. And I look forward to, to growing this relationship too. Yes. Yeah. Same here. And anyone listening, if, if you feel like you're, you're kind of out in the cold or you're all alone, I just want to assure you that you're not, you can reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to Tori. You know, we are genuinely here for, for anyone that's in need. So 
if you want to come on and and share a story that you know like tim tim has come on and just shared his story reach out to us we're we're willing to to spend the time to have the conversation and to pray with you and just it's a community and uh you know we've we've got some things coming up in the future here just after the first of the year we'll we'll have a you know facebook group and and do all those things to to help to just build and foster this community because you know like tim i i kind of felt like i didn't i didn't have a place where i've quite fit either in in the in the church and so you know this community has been really a, a breath of fresh air for me and i know you know tori feels the same i know mason feels the same i know i know so many people that feel the same so that, that's our heart for this thing it really Amen. is and can i just give a shout out to anyone that's living here in adelaide to go visit the soul food community cafe that's where i go to church it's a christian cafe that's uh, staffed completely by volunteers absolutely phenomenal community and their love is just beyond comprehension and um they make the best coffee in Adelaide, I swear. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to give them a shout out and go visit Flick. She'll make you more than welcome. Awesome. All right, my friend. I will talk to you again soon. God bless you, brother. All right, you really too, brother. appreciate it. Yes, it's been Bye. awesome. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye.